I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Maybe a bye week for the Steelers, but not for us here at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. The North Shore Drive podcast brings you the Accresure Fan Advantage, where we're going to take a mailbag episode and answer a ton of your burning questions here. I'm your host, Chris Carter. We've got Brian Batko here to talk with you, answer your Steelers questions during the bye week as they get ready to rest and then get back at it and travel to Los Angeles to take on the Rams, all here on the North Shore Drive podcast. Get ready for all your questions to be answered. Let's get into it. You are now listening to the North Shore Drive Podcast, a show on all things Pittsburgh sports from the writers of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, hosted by Christopher Carter. Hello, welcome to the North Shore Drive Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, with bringing you this show that comes on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and Saturdays with the Accresure Fan Advantage. As always, you can find this show on your favorite podcasting apps and on YouTube. Like this video if you enjoyed. Subscribe to this channel to get all of your daily Monday through Friday episode, Monday through Friday content, as well as your weekend content like the Accresure Fan Advantage, which being which we have to remind you, this episode is brought to you by the Accresure Fan Advantage, where all year long the Fan Advantage brings you closer to the Steelers than ever before. Because if we we feature exclusive answers to your burning questions from Steelers insider Brian Batko, who joins us today, and we have in depth conversations each week with the opponent's expert, uh, with an expert on the opponent the Steelers have each week, but no opponent. So we got Brian answering your questions. You should, you should have just had an empty chair sit here and talk about <laughs> the bye week. And you could have just like done 10 minutes being like, hey, do you think Matt Canada can scheme against <laughs> your defense? And then just silence. And then, yeah, and then you just sit there for two minutes. I think that could have been some electric content, Chris. Absolutely. It would have actually been pretty funny. Uh, like I could have edited like some cricket sounds in with it. That would, yeah. have, been, that would have been a good time. Uh, but let's get into some of these questions. Now, you you all have submitted some questions. We, we don't always get a chance to get to them, but we're going to get to a bunch that would be here uh, that, that you guys have here. So let's get started here with uh, some, some of our bigger questions. And I'm going to leave with this question. This question comes from Christo. And it's a question that a lot of people have. It's, do you think Levi Wallace should start over Joey Porter Jr.? And, Brian, I, I'm going to add on to this question. If Joey Porter Jr. were to start right now, would you start him in place of Levi Wallace? Or would you start him in place of, of Patrick Peterson? Or would you not start him at all? I would probably start him in place of Patrick Peterson at this point. I think I said it on our Friday show that at this juncture I'm willing to see what Pat P can do in some other 
various roles, which was really talked about ad nauseum uh, in the offseason when they signed him, came up at his opening introductory presser, came up in OTAs, came up in training camp, and just haven't really seen much of it in game action. But I think it's time for that to change. And coming out of the bye week where everybody got a chance to decompress a bit, you know, players got to get away, think about things or not, if that's what they want to do. Coaches got a chance to look at what's working and what isn't and talk through some potential schematic adjustments. Uh, Now would be the time. And I thought it was interesting on Tuesday, Terrell Austin, defensive coordinator, was asked, hey, if if Joey forces his way onto the field and Patrick Peterson's playing well, could Levi play in the slot? And, you know, Chris, normally coaches answer questions like that with, oh, yeah, we feel great about everybody doing everything, even if they don't believe that. But he was like, uh, I don't really look at it in that way. So, yeah, I mean, I think Levi Wallace is going to be on the outside or bust. And, you know, I'm not completely ready to bench him just yet. So uh, that that would be the way that I would configure the secondary. Although, again, I think if it comes down to just rotating Porter in more often, that would be a good enough solution for me at this point. Very interesting. Very interesting. I, I'm... I feel like I'm I'm with you on this. Patrick Peterson has been the mo- the biggest liability as far as the cornerback so far. Levi Wallace looked like that the two weeks, but he's had some key breakups. Even in this Ravens game, there were twice he got yeah. challenged deep, and he was in place. Like the the two deep balls that that, that were dropped that were that were a big well one of the deep balls that was dropped was a big problem came when they were going after Shannon Sullivan, which is another thing I think they need to move Shannon Sullivan out out, out of the slot role. That's where Desmond King yeah, or he Patrick just hasn't Anderson. made many plays. He he flashed yeah. to me in the preseason, but since then it's it's been you know more of the guy that you thought you were getting based on his track record to this point. If if it if if he at least brought what Mike Hilton or Arthur Mallette brought in defending the run, blitzing the quarterback, being aggressive in the box, that'd be one thing. But you can't not be good there and then also not be an asset in coverage, which right now that looks like where it's Shannon Sullivan. If I'm the Steelers, Joey Porter Jr. is lining up on the outside. I'm putting Levi Wallace out there because he's probably your second best, best option at this point. And then, yeah, keep Patrick Peterson in. Let him play in the middle a little bit. Move the, move him around. Um, but uh, right now, I, I'm, I'm putting Joey Porter on the outside. He's shown more than enough, in my opinion. We're going to move to our next question here. This one comes from Mark Virgin, who comes from Believe in Steelers podcast, who asks – what constitutes a successful 2023 season for the Steelers? And I feel like the start of the season shouldn't negate too many predictions right now, uh, unless you thought the Steelers were going like 16 and one and going to the Super Bowl or anything like that. But we all kind of talked about like, if this is a good year for the Steelers, it still isn't the year that makes the Super Bowl contenders. This is the year that could set up the future years, the window. Uh, in the coming years to be a Super Bowl contender, but they need to take some serious strides this year. What would be a successful season in your eyes, Brian, for the 2023 Steelers? I don't even know that my answer to this is record-based. I think it's more about growth of Kenny Pickett Mm. being crucial to your long-term success here, or at least over the course of these next few years. I mean, that's the kind of the irony or the paradox of having a QB on a rookie contract, you you know, on one hand, you're like, Hey, it's still early in his career. He's only started one full season's worth of games to this point. Don't rush to judgment. Don't don't bury the guy yet. But on the other hand, 
this is kind of when you need to strike. The iron is hot when you've got the cheap QB and you can build up around him, you know, with highly paid players on defense or in his own supporting cast to help him out. And in the case of the Steelers specifically, you know, they're they're not a, a team that makes rash decisions, obviously, and they take things um, with a very long term view and as far as stability and continuity being good over the balance of years and decades. But it's a high stakes, high leverage season and situation for them right now, because TJ Watt is clearly in his prime and playing some of the best ball that you're going to see from anybody who ever puts on one of these hypocycloid helmets. And Minka Fitzpatrick is right there too in his prime. And we haven't even gotten the big number 97 yet, who is dealing with an injury already. And you've got to think that Cam Hayward's best years are probably behind him. So, you know, you miss on this window um, because your quarterback play isn't good enough that's going to be one of those problems that leaves you kicking yourself down the road. So, you know, 10 and seven, nine and eight, you know, even eight and nine, uh, if it happens, um, how you get there would, would probably mean the offense has continued to sputter. But even if you go barely 500 again and you miss the playoffs, as long as Kenny Pickett is looking like the guy by the end of this year, I think that would constitute a successful 2023 but I acknowledge that those two things probably aren't going to happen in concert because if he plays really well and fills you with optimism, you're probably going to feel good about the record and the postseason result as well. That's my thing. If Kenny Pickett does that, they're a playoff team. And if and if they're a playoff team, they might beat a couple teams if Kenny Pickett is, is taking that serious step forward because this defense has shown the ability to create turnovers and to take advantage of mistakes in – if the offense were to tune up and become even just a middling offense in the NFL, like right now, the past few years, they've been a bottom offense in the NFL. If they take a step up and be like in the middle of the, of the NFL, like, you know, we're talking 16th, 15th, 14th in that range. That makes this team such a different competitor for, for a lot of teams to have to consider. That's what I think Kenny Pickett has to do. If if, if he does, and if he does that, uh, I think that, like you said, regardless of the record, that'll make for a successful season because then the Steelers will know that they have a franchise quarterback on, on, on their roster. But also I think it would also constitute a successful season. Even if you did manage it by win, because if they did that and, and they got to the end of the season, I bet that they'd have a winning record again and such a winning record that would allow them to get to the playoffs. So all that being said, I think I'm right with you. It's less about the record. It's more about getting Kenny Pickett in the right place to constitute a successful season. Our last question here in the first segment, before we move on, we have a Matt Canada whole segment because we got Matt Canada questions coming at us. But before we get to that, that Yindra sounding good right about now. <laughs> exactly. It's not too uh, late so to roll with that idea. Avant-garde <laughs> podcast. <laughs> The Southern Yinzer asks, do you think the defense will ever get over the loss of Ryan Shazier? I know we probably won't find a single player who has his versatility and speed, but surely we can, we can scheme something up there. Um, I think Southern Yinzer has a, has a point here because Ryan Shazier, I mean, at this point, he's now been gone six seasons. Like we're like, he was injured in 2017, uh, I think it was November of 2017. So we're 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 about a month a month and a half away from when he was injured and his career was ended uh, in Cincinnati. And Brian, 
that's crazy to think about it being that long ago that that's that, that that's when that, that's when that happened for, for the Steelers and they've been trying to find a replacement they haven't they drafted Devin Bush they first they signed John Bostic that didn't work then they drafted Devin Bush that didn't work then they've they uh they they signed Miles Jack that didn't work now they have a whole cadre of new linebackers here Joe Schobert Avery Joe Sh- I forgot about Joe <laughs> Schobert but it, it's, they've tried so many like they even put Mark Arthur Moulton inside linebacker <laughs> at one at, at one point um but I look at this and I do think that it's bigger than just finding a talent at linebacker. Ryan Chazier, when he was in, like they were a top 10 defense. When he was out, they were like 16 or below. Like they they were in, they were in an average to below average defense when he wasn't on the field. When he was on the field, they were one of the best defenses in football. You don't just find that every day. And to Southern Yinzer's point, I think that that is that that that's why that loss was so tough for that team. Hey, at some point in the Remaining lifespan of the Steelers franchise, yes, I think the defense will recover uh, from losing Ryan Shazier well before uh, his career should have ended. But I get what Southern Yinzer is asking. And I would say, you know, after the second half of that Ravens game, this is probably the best you could feel about the inside linebacker unit for this team since Shazier went down. You know, Quan Alexander, Cole Holcomb, and Landon Roberts, obviously none of those guys are – comparable players to what Shazier was but if the hole can finally be greater than the sum of its parts for the inside backers maybe this Steelers defense can uh can you know stop missing a beat there in the middle where you felt so discouraged by the moves they've made there in the past uh this this trio is looking like they're three veteran guys who know what they're doing and they certainly like to hit people it's good to have that mentality back at inside linebacker just a reminder, this show is brought to you by the Acrisure Fan Advantage, where all season long, the Acrisure Fan Advantage will bring you closer to the team than ever before. Get all your exclusive answers to the Pittsburgh Steelers with burning questions to, to Steelers insider Brian Batko, who joins us today, and as well as in-depth conversations with opponent experts each week. But we're doing the mailbag episode since it is a bye week for the Steelers. Tune in every Friday and the day before each Steelers game on Saturdays to get the, the Acrisure Fan Advantage. Visit Acrisure.com slash Fan Advantage for more information and to submit your questions today. We'll be right back with more here on the North Shore Drive podcast. It's the Acrature Fan Advantage. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. Back here on the North Shore Drive podcast, it's the Acrisure Fan Advantage brought to you by Acrisure. Brian, let's get to some Matt Canada questions. You uh, seem to be lamenting this, this this future coming to you here. Let's go to let's go to a question from Barbara, who says it seems that when the offense is not working, Matt Canada has no backup plan to go to. Wouldn't a good offensive coordinator have a system with several game plans ready to react to different defenses? Brian, I feel like that's part of that plays right into the conversation that's been had all week about did Matt did Kenny Pickett call an audible? Was Matt Canada mad at Kenny Pickett for changing up his plays and that's why he didn't look happy in the booth? 
meanwhile, we all know he that man was too focused on trying to figure out what he was going to call for a two point conversion. That the, the the call that Kenny Pickett made at the line of scrimmage when he said Randy, Randy, Randy was a check. He switched the project protection and that allowed for 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 also George Pickens to be on the hot read. Say, hey, you're going you're going deep here. We're going to have Max protect. You're going to be it's going to be you that we're that we're giving a shot to on this play. And that's exactly what happened. And, and Kenny Pickett, Jalen Warren, George Pickens, they've all confirmed. That's something they worked on all week. It was absolutely part of the plan. But I think that 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 Barbara's point here is. There isn't always necessarily a good counter when team when defenses are bringing certain challenges. The Steelers can't even do their their normal plans right. Is not having alter alternative plans a big part of the problem here for the Steelers offense? I think this also probably goes back to the controversy of last week with the CBS broadcast, including, or I guess I should say, two weeks ago, including the nugget that Canada. Talked about how this offense isn't really built to come from behind. Obviously, we talked at you know at length about how he thought that was taken out of context, and he sort of refuted what he meant by that. But I mean, that that's what you can't really deny there, though, is that the Steelers in these last couple seasons have not done a good job of being able to claw back from a big deficit. In fact, usually once it gets away from them, things just tend to snowball, right? I mean, that's why you're mm-hmm. seeing a lot of these blowouts of you know, 30 to six, 30 to seven last year, 38 to three, some of the other scores uh, exactly slipped my mind. But I mean, that's, that's probably partially just due to being the worst team on some of those days. Um, and by a lot, when you play the Eagles and the bills a year ago, but in, in the Niners this year, but you know, the Texans game is probably a good example of like, how do you let that get so far away without coming up with another way to attack yeah. that defense or, you know, putting, and, and this is another, I think, frequent and fair criticism, criticism of Canada's uh, tenure here so far, putting your players in the best position to succeed, you know, fitting your, your scheme, your game plan, your, your play calling to your personnel rather than trying to uh, you know do it the other way around and, uh, and put some square pegs in some round holes. So, you know, and I guess to be fair on the other side of it too, Maybe Kenny Pickett's just not a quarterback at this point in his development or ever who can throw a team back into a game. But, uh, you know, they do have a quick strike offense that has worked a few times this year, which is you know one of the more strange things about the offensive woes is uh, last year there was no quick strike. The only way they could do it was if they consistently drove down, bored a defense to death and then scored in short yardage. Now it seems like the only way they can score is hitting a big play over the top and almost falling backwards into it. So, um, yeah, I mean, the, the fact that they can't really get both of those uh, pieces of an offense to uh, to work together is is one of the many, many indictments of the Canada era thus far. S. Beth asks, I'm wondering whether this will finally be the Matt Canada make it or you bid goodbye season. I don't. I know the offense seemed better in the preseason, but it's been five games and the offense is still bad. Beth, I think you're on the point that everyone's on. Yeah. I, I've been on. I've been of the opinion for for years. I felt like the first year that Matt Canada took over, that wasn't really his offense. That was Ben Roethlisberger's offense. That was that was what well, you know. That was that was Ben Roethlisberger getting able to do whatever he wanted to do from the Randy Feekner era, except he would be able to call what he wanted, switch what he wanted, when he wanted. I think last year was an offensive line that was decrepit until the until the second half of the season when they started to come together and he played with a backup and then a rookie quarterback this is the year that Matt Canada does need to show something and I I think everyone's in unison here Brian 
this the Steelers aren't going to fire Matt Canada midseason. But if this offense is not at least trending towards it, 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 in, in the uh, in the lower teens, like we're talking 15, 14, 13, if it's not in that range by the end of the season, they will let go of Matt Canada and they'll find someone else that can either work with Kenny Pickett or work with this offense to make it the unit they want it to be. No, I think they're going to stick with them until a chant breaks out at a Pirates game or possibly a Riverhounds match. <laughs> Duquesne football. <laughs> yes. Yes, Beth. This will be Matt Canada's last season unless things really pick up here exactly. over the course uh, of these these last few months. I'm right with, with, with you and Beth here. This is the last call for Matt Canada. We've got one more segment of questions here on the Acrisure Fan Advantage on the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Stick with us. We'll be right back. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply we're back here in the north shore drive podcast is the accuracy fan advantage brought to you by accuracy here on the on the north shore drive podcast with chris carter and brian batko we're taking your questions go we dudes got, by the way we, i hope nobody besmirches jerry schmidt's good name and program by chanting fire matt canada uh at rudy field <laughs> up on the bluff i i just feel like y'all can y'all can take a break from the fire matt canada chance i will say this it is funny that they are undefeated at home when they chant fire matt canada this year uh Chris, i don't know i was at my my sister-in-law's wedding last okay. weekend and okay. one of the uh one of the, like the intro you know how people for the, at the reception they do like the bridesmaids and the groomsmen they walk in and they do a little like thing on the dance floor when their names get announced they did like a somebody threw the uh, bouquet to somebody else, and the DJ was like, "Oh, that's better than a Matt Canada play." And then, and then, literally this week, I did trivia one night with my friends, and one of the team names was Fire Matt Canada. So I truly, truly cannot escape it, which is maybe why I've seemed uh, a little beaten down by this overall topic and vibe. What has happened to to this city? What has happened to like, society? I don't. What has happened to society? Like I we used know. to be a country, a real country, and it's now just a, we're just like chanting a, "Fire Matt Canada" every a, at everything. Like it's a countywide like, uh, bit at this point. Look, I'm surprised Primanis hasn't come up with a Fire Matt Canada sandwich at this point. Like, like I'm expecting it. Why, why Primanis, if you're watching this show, why don't you have a Fire Matt Canada sandwich? I guarantee you, you'd, you'd get a whole lot. You can make it spicy because you're firing someone. Like, this is ridiculous. It's, it's everywhere. Pittsburgh fans, please. 
let's let's switch it up just a little bit. We're gonna switch uh, it up here. We're I don't gonna, know if we're you gonna saw take... my. We didn't start the fire parody on Twitter today, but as somebody I replied, it was uh, we want somebody fired. That's oh, that's no. really what it's come down to. Okay, today. I have to admit, I saw that you typed it out with the music things next to it. I had no idea. I could not figure out the cadence that you were going at. Oh, well, like, now you'll know. So now go now, back and read it. And, all right. Yeah. All right. Uh, I'll <laughs> I'll go back and read when this we hang out here. time. <laughs> okay. Let's get some, some final let's questions. Let's get some in. questions. Hey, I'm trying to get to the questions. I have I'm Dan sorry, M. who wants to ask a Tomlin question. Dan M. asks, why do some in the press refer to Coach Tomlin as the defensive coordinator? I've heard it on the Cochran Sports Showdown on September 10th and read it a couple times in the Post-Gazette on September 14th. Wow, it comes across seats. Yeah, right. He, he's, he's naming dates. It comes across as disrespectful to defensive coordinator Terrell Austin and meant as a negative comment about Coach Mike Tomlin, which I think it it is it's meant to because I don't ever hear Mike Tomlin def- is the defensive coordinator when the Steelers defense was whooping tail for all, all them years, when they get 2019, when they were, they were winning games with Devlin Hodges and Mason Rudolph. And that defense was literally just dragging this team by itself to victory. No one was bringing up that Mike Tomlin calls the plays on defense or anything like that. Then all of a sudden when their struggles on defense, Mike Tomlin runs the defense. I think Dan M's onto something here. Brian, could you break this down for us in, in, in your, for, with your insights? Just to answer Dan fairly straightforward on the question he asked, I mean, this comes up because, number one, Tomlin has a defensive coaching background. He was mm-hmm. a successful D.C. for the uh, Vikings, and he was – was he coordinator for the Bucks or just on the defensive staff there? He was the secondary coach for the Bucks. Right. So he was secondary coach, yeah, D.C., and then came here after a year mm-hmm. with Minnesota. So that's number one. Point number two – we know he's heavily involved with the defense. We've heard players like Joe Hayden after games say Tomlin drew this up on you know the board at, at halftime. It was a great adjustment. We came back and won in the second half. And number three, the the most uh, you know specific answer to this is because there was the whole deal when previous DC Keith Butler was here at the end of his tenure, and then he uh, eventually retired, and he said, I think in a radio radio interview with ninety three seven the fan, if I'm not mistaken, that. Yeah, uh, Tomlin was the play caller at the end of his uh, reign here as defensive coordinator. And he's like, that's basically like, that's fine. That's what Mike wanted to do. But uh, but that's why this has become a talking point to such a degree, because it was a rare instance of a coach on the staff pulling back the curtain and kind of finally saying publicly what's been reported many, many times by certainly our Jerry Dulac at the PG. Um, not sure about others, but yeah, it's it's kind of a an open secret. And I think now there is a decent chance that Terrell Austin and Mike Tomlin are much more collaborative in their efforts in terms of calling mm-hmm. plays uh, on game days. But still, neither one of them, when given the chance, have really um, specifically pinpointed the division of labor, if you will. So that's another reason why it uh, kind of looms over things. I feel like they're not going to no one's going to peel back the curtain until they absolutely feel like they have nothing to lose like Keith Butler did uh, in his situation when he when he was on his way out with the Steelers. It doesn't need Uh, to be that way. There are other coaches around the league on both sides of the ball and just straight up tell you whether they're calling plays or not. And there are other coaches that do try to keep it a shadowy secret, too, for whatever reason. But uh, obviously we we kind of know where Tomlin falls on that thing. 
Absolutely. Let's move on to this is a global question. This is an easy, easy summer question that we can answer, you know, when the when the buys when, when the this is a bye week question, I guess you could say. Dominic T asks, who are the top three running backs in Steelers history? Let's go, Brian. We got top three running backs. Give me yours. Jalen Warren, Amos Zaraway, and Kareth White. You went Kareth White on us here. Look up his look up his numbers. He averaged more than five yards a carry. Yeah. You, sir, are disrespecting Moeldy Moore. Oh, I, I met Moeldy Moore, uh, but, you know, back when I was, I guess I would have just been like a high school or college <laughs> student at that point. And I don't know, he was at like a, he was at a bank branch or something like <laughs> doing an appearance and I happened to be there and I was like, hey, what's up? Seemed like a nice guy. Yeah. So yeah, Kareth White. No, Amos Zeroway's out. Moeldy Moore's in. Kareth White's still in there. <laughs> If you all right, make all right. me give a more conventional answer. There we go. Um, I was waiting to hear. Obviously, the two Hall of Famers need pretty yep. much need to be on every ballot. I don't think I'm ready to choose violence uh, otherwise on this particular show. So Franco Harris and Jerome Bettis. And then the mm-hmm. third one, I think for most people, would come down to Le'Veon Bell and Willie Parker. You know, Willie's got the Super Bowl, especially that long run. Le'Veon Bell, I think, has the overall better statistical profile and – kind of broke down some barriers in the game with the way he played the position here, both his running style and obviously his how prolific he was as a receiver. So despite how things ended, I'm going to put Le'Veon Bell there as number three. But this is always a tricky topic because it's like, are you judging it based on pure talent and ability when they played here? Or do you go more by resume? Uh, I guess it's in the eye of the beholder, whether it's Dominic T asking or anybody else. I think one thing to remember about Franco Harris, because people just think of the immaculate reception and, oh, he was just part of that Steelers 70s team. He wasn't just part of it. Joe Green said, like, we didn't win before before Super Bowls, before Franco Harris got there. We didn't win after he left. And Franco Harris was a huge part, huge part of that. If Franco Harris plays one more season with the Steelers, he went to the Seahawks and then retired because they weren't even using him. If he plays one more season with the Steelers, he was like within 100 yards of Jim Brown's all-time rushing record at the time. He could have, if he had stayed with the Steelers one more season, he would have broken that record. He would have been the all-time leading rusher in NFL history and retired as such. Before I didn't say he's not on my ballot, Carter. No, no, no. no. I'm, not saying, I'm not he, saying he's not. No enforcement from me, as Mike Tomlin would say. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, I'm not coming at you, Brian. But there's a lot of people out there who I think just kind of just throw Franco Harris into the, ah, who gave was the 70s. No, that dude was for real. He's he is the number one running back in the history uh, in the history of the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'll also say Jerome Bettis. Um, Jerome Bettis is also actually actually the first ever ath- professional athlete I have asked a question to uh, way back when when the NFL Network used to do their right you know, stu- student uh, students high school students could could write to uh to nfl network and ask them questions about what about their favorite athletes and then they would that athlete would then go to their high school for for a day and hang out jerome bettis came to taylor alderdice high school to hang out with jaton amaker one of my friends that was that went to alderdice and there was a whole gym thing where like where he was in the gym he was he was hanging out and he took questions and i got to ask him like are you gonna break eric Dick- dickerson's rushing record or rushing standing and he's like i don't know man ed's gonna be tough sure enough about two weeks later he broke it and so i got to ask that question that's how journalist chris carter got started back in the day but yeah number three is Le'Veon bell that dude was way too talented so for, i think it's it's unanimous here franco harris jerome bettis 
Le'Veon Bell. That's the Accuracy Fan Advantage from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. He's Brian Batko. I'm Chris Carter. Thanks for tuning in. Find the show on your favorite podcasting apps and on YouTube. Thanks again to the Accuracy Fan Advantage. Check us out every sing- single week. We got, we'll have another opponent expert next week as the Steelers get to take on. Get ready to take on the Los Angeles Rams. But before that, check out the Monday episode of the, of the North Shore Drive podcast. We'll be back after this weekend. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. If you watch this video on YouTube, please like the video and subscribe to our channel. For three months of digital access to post-gazette.com at 99 cents, click the link below in the description.